Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and the Knicks have been knocked out of the in-season tournament in embarrassing fashion. 146 to 122 loss to the Bucks. Quentin Grimes is airing his grievances to the media. Julius Randle had a really good scoring game for what that's worth. Uh, let's just talk about this game once and never again. Next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. And your Knicks got their butts handed to them. Uh, 146 to 122 by the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to treat this podcast in effect like the uh, the men in black uh, mind wiping machine, you know, the little the little pen thing that they use. Let's just, you know, we'll do this podcast and then we can all just hit that button at the end and pretend this game never happened because it was not a lot of fun. Although, of course, the reward for the Knicks from getting into the in-season tournament knockout rounds and, you know, winning the games that they did and hitting their point differential and blah, blah, blah is – they got to face the Milwaukee Bucks again. And now as a penance, I guess, for losing to the Milwaukee Bucks in the in-season tournament, they now have to face the Celtics again, which means that they're facing both these teams five times this season, which just seems not totally great. Uh, maybe it would be a better strategy to just not do well in the in-season tournament next year, if that's the case, because that's a really tough schedule now for the Knicks. Uh, they will be facing the Celtics on Friday. Uh, or Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but they'll, they'll be facing the Celtics again this week uh, to cap off their in-season tournament, I guess. I don't know. And they have to go to Boston to do it. So that's that's not great. Anyway, this game, I think the Knicks kind of did their usual defensive strategy of just trying to funnel guys inside and daring guys to miss from the perimeter, which just doesn't work against a team that has this much shooting up and down the roster. Malik Beasley was like shimming his butt after making threes and stuff. Like they were, they were having a good time. They, they were like, wow, we haven't had this many open looks probably in a long time. Um, but I thought the, the first half, the Knicks actually did a better job at least trying, at least attempting to stick to their guys on the outside. I think Milwaukee was just making a lot of really tough shots in the first half. So, you know, that kind of explained too why, even though the Knicks weren't, hitting a lot of threes in the first half uh, that they were still able to keep things at least close. They were only down by three at halftime. It was a real barn burner of a first half. They both had, I think it was 75, 72 was the halftime score. So both teams were scoring like crazy. Unfortunately, that pace dampened for the Knicks in the second half and kept up for the Bucks in the second half, which led to them scoring almost 150 points. Um, I do really think, I, I think the second half was kind of pathetic. Uh, you know, defensive effort wise, not great, you know, defensive scheme wise and adjustments wise, non-existent. Um, I do think also, I mean, if I'm going to get my Tibbs 
uh, fire out of the way here first. I think Tibbs really needs to, you know, I, I mean, look, he's he's had a good year mostly so far this year. The Knicks are playing really well. One game doesn't change that. Uh, and maybe they'll come back and, you know, stomp the Celtics or something in this next game, and then things will be all hunky-dory again. But just as of right this second, I think Tibbs needs to be willing to bend the rotation schedule a little more. He has done a good job over the last couple of years of, you know, ever since actually it was funny it was it was ironic that this was the one year anniversary uh yesterday of the Knicks making their their lineup change that put them on the huge win streak last year by inserting Quentin Crimes into the starting lineup and all that um and sort of changing the way that Tibbs did rotations uh to then this game sort of exposing him for some of his limitations when it comes to his rotations and the fact that like he didn't put a sub in in the third quarter until almost halfway through the quarter. I think it was six minutes, 15 seconds. And the Knicks had during that first six minutes of the, of the quarter gone from being down three to down 12. And this, the momentum was clearly shifting in a way that looked like it was going to take this game out of the Knicks hands. So that way then even when the subs got in, it was still like, you were like, yeah, this the Milwaukee's taking charge of this game. You know, they're going to, they're going to end up winning this thing. Um, so that was not great. And so I hope that Tibbs reconsiders how he does his sub arrangement sometimes. You know, I just I wish that he would be willing to if in these first and third quarters, if the starting lineup is just not feeling it for whatever reason to make a change a little sooner, you know, maybe only wait like three minutes instead of six minutes and get some new blood in there, you know, get guys an opportunity to kind of stop the bleeding and guys like Emmanuel quickly we've seen in the past kind of thrive under those circumstances more so than coming in when there's already an overwhelming, you know, uh, weight put on them, you know, from the starters getting into a hole if that does happen. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, you know, we just passed the 20 game mark and that's usually Tibbs's evaluation period. So maybe that'll be his big monumental change of this year. Um, but on offense, I think someone really not named Randall or Brunson really needs to step up more in this game. And that just didn't happen. Everyone looked really tentative. And speaking of that, uh, the poster child for that, Quentin Grimes, zero points, 0-1 from three, one rebound, one steal. Um, I wouldn't normally bring him up and pile on or anything like this, but he had some really very honest and pointed quotes. So I'm going to read off uh, Grimes's quotes that he gave after the game real quick. So he said, it's just hard when you go the whole quarter without touching the ball, the whole second quarter without touching the ball, and then you get one shot and you got to make it. So it's tough going out there and just standing in the corner the whole game. Then you got to make the shot when you shoot the ball one or two times per game. It is what it is. Then I also said, it feels like if I don't hit the shot, I'm coming out. So every shot I shoot probably weighs like 100 pounds if I don't make it. And our defense, it ain't cutting it, so I know I ain't going back in. And then he also said, I just know. Last year, RJ missed a lot of games. Jalen missed some games. So I had the ball in my hands a little bit more. I knew I wasn't coming out. I knew I was going to be in there and get more shots, play the whole first quarter, the whole third quarter. I knew I had opportunities to get the ball and get my shots up. Now it's just a matter if the ball comes my way, really. So that's not great. Um, ultimately, though, this isn't a new thing with Tibbs. I, you know, I We see this pretty much every year where there's at least one young player who – is frustrated with their role, frustrated with their touches, frustrated with not feeling like they're part of something uh, in this, you know, Tibbs infrastructure. It's very star heavy. You know, he runs a a team that's very, very, you know, interested in getting the ball to the star players and letting them cook, letting them ISO sometimes, but 
mostly getting them their shot attempts and, you know, kind of going from there. And Grimes is playing in a starting lineup with three ball dominant guys. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it definitely seems like some games he is kind of just sitting there waiting on the on the sideline, waiting for the ball to come to him. I think the difference is, as he's been saying, like early in the season, it seemed like his contributions across the board were being a little more appreciated, um, you know, and that he was guaranteed his 25 or so minutes per game. And now it seems like increasingly he's getting less and less minutes and that he is sort of getting that OB top and treatment of misses one shot and then is out for the rest of the game. So I can sympathize with him from, from that point of view. The other side of it though, is like, if you're him, I, I'd say, you know, even if you're not getting the offensive touches, don't let it affect you on the other end. And I think that his defense has fallen off a bit this year, uh, which is not going to keep you on the floor if that's your role. And so, I don't know. I, I think it's a double-edged sword, but I do think that things could be done to make him more comfortable. I mean, for example, I think Gavin and I mentioned this before the season, but you know, that there was a very specific and intentional sets designed uh, two years ago, which obviously was not the the year of Knicks basketball that you want to reference too much. But there was a lot of design plays made for Julius Randle and Evan Fournier to work together just like there were design plays for Julius Randle and Reggie Bullock to work together back in 2020 to 21. And we haven't really seen that happen with Quentin Grimes. And maybe that's because now you have a Jalen Brunson who can take some of that playmaking responsibility away and, you know, do point guard things. But I think it'd be beneficial, you know, if you have Randle bring the ball down the floor every once in a while and have him run a two-man action with Quentin Grimes, have him do something to get Grimes some open three-point shots so he can find his confidence again. Otherwise, if you're not going to do that, maybe bench Grimes like for his benefit, uh, take him off the bench and let him, you know, come in there with, I would assume at this point, he would get swapped for DiVincenzo. You would probably put DiVincenzo in the starting lineup. So put DiVincenzo there who doesn't seem to have any qualms with what his role is or, you know, the fact that he's just kind of spotting up and shooting threes every once in a while and just playing defense and providing energy. He's had a number of games where he's shot like one of four so far this season. And yet I still wouldn't say that he had a negative impact on that game because he still does the other stuff. So if he's more okay with filling that role, put DiVincenzo in the starting lineup, let Grimes get back into the, into the bench unit with Emmanuel quickly, who he has rapport with. They've grown up together on the Knicks so far, you know, maybe being around each other could help both of them and could, you know, get Grimes kind of his groove back, you know, let him find his summer league self that he's had uh, playing with Emmanuel quickly and, you know, just kind of get a little more ball handling experience, you know, get to get to kind of play that DiVincenzo role off the bench where DiVincenzo has been handling the ball a little bit too uh, as like the secondary ball handler with that bench unit. So maybe that's something the Knicks can look into, but Sun does definitely need to change with Grimes if he's, if he's getting this frustrated is saying this to the media, like that's the sort of stuff that, you know, does not uh, does not bode well for a team's overall outlook for a season if a player is coming to the media and saying stuff like this. You know, as they say, like loose lips sink ships. You know, like that's it, it's just not something that you want to see coming out of your team. You know, having guys using the media to to air grievances when you would hope that that could be solved in the locker room. So, um, I guess we'll see how that all goes. But uh, I want to talk about Julius Randle who had a really good game uh, shooting the ball and scored a lot of points, obviously, which is awesome. 
um, and ended up with a, a over 40 point effort. And then also talk about Jalen Brunson and uh, a number of the other guys on this team. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our good friends over at eBay Motors have partnered with Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball to give you guys the the best fantasy players to go with every week. Uh, all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we are going to provide you guys players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out this week for eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. And looking at this list, I always have fun picking who I... Uh, who I want to pick in this game or in this, in this, uh, you know, this choice here, I get five choices. I'm going with a familiar name. I'm going with Obi Toppin. Uh, Josh says here, he's shooting the lights out and the Pacers have a great schedule this week. I mean, they're the Pacers are clearly enjoying the in-season tournament. So uh, Obi Toppin is going to get to keep playing. He's going to get the, the Vegas uh, bright lights now to get to play against um, the Bucks actually in this next game. And then potentially in an in-season tournament final. And we do know that Obi Toppin loves bright lights. He used to love MSG and getting off a big dunk there, but also shooting really well. So you can appreciate that for in uh, nine cat leagues. If you need that, the three-pointers made, if you need three-point percentage or just field goal percentage in general, plus points. Uh, I think Obi Toppin is a, a good guy to add right now if you need some help this week, especially in some uh, high leverage games in the rest of the in-season tournament. So Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship this year. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And that's the same with your vehicle. I've used eBay Motors myself to get some parts for my car. I drive a, a Toyota Prius. I got a long uh, daily work commute, which makes it so that I need that gas mileage and everything. And so uh, luckily, my car has been pretty reliable. I haven't had to do too many too many substantial repairs to it, but I have done a little bit of cosmetic work to it. I got these nice little caps for in my wheels to make them look a little nicer after I had a hubcap fly off on the highway and then get told, you know, within a month of buying my car that that wasn't covered by warranty. I had to do something to spruce my wheels up a little bit. So I took all the hubcaps off, put these little wheel caps in my, uh, in my wheels underneath the hubcaps. And honestly, it looks a little better now anyway. And I only was able to do that because of eBay's guaranteed fit because they told me that, yay, these are for sure for your Toyota Prius's wheels. Cool. And they work for my car. And uh, my car looks great now. And I, I got the peace of mind with that. So with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, and I'm back in to keep talking through this game. Uh, the first segment was obviously the most interesting. So it's the first time a player has uh, come out and railed against the team so far this year. The rest of this, uh, it, I mean, there was some there was some stuff to watch for, but obviously not. No, I'm not going to be talking about anyone's defensive performance as being good. So let me just make a blanket statement real quick and just say pretty much everyone's defense, especially in the second half, was pretty bad in this game. The Knicks got out-schemed. They got 
uh, outplayed. They got out hustled. They got out everything in the second half. First half was not half bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that wound up coming out that way. First half, not half bad. Second half had the other half bad, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, Julius Randle ended this game playing pretty well. He ended with a, uh, a solid scoring line of 41 points uh, and six rebounds, five assists. He shot a whopping 14 of 19 from the field, two of two from three, 11 to 12 from the free throw line. So, I mean, he had he had himself a game. And so I, I'll zero in on his first half first because I thought that that was really good. I thought he had an amazing first half. His shot making was crazy. He was hitting for mid-range a lot. I really like this thing that he started doing, to my eye, mostly over the last two games. He did it against the Raptors, and then he did it against the Bucks here where – He's using his body to clear space for the middies, you know, like the little like five to 10 foot shots that were kind of a staple of his diet, you know, a few years ago. But he used to do those more like face up and, you know, like jab step Carmelo Anthony style. Now he's just sort of like getting inside and instead of going all the way to the hoop against these teams with really good shot blockers, which he struggles with because he's not a super above the rim player. He's just kind of clearing out space and then saying, you know, what, I can I can throw a shoulder into this guy create myself that like two, three feet of space I need, and then just rise up and hit a, a midi from like five to 10 feet away. And that's just as good as going in for a layup for me if I'm if I'm feeling that shot. So I like that. Uh, he did that against, I mean, it, the fact that he did it against Giannis in this game, um, you know, got his shoulder into Giannis and, and uh, you know, made that work. Like, I, I think that pretty much shows uh, that he could do that against anyone in that case, because, you know, if you could do that against Giannis, you're in good shape. Um, but yeah, I, I do wish that he and others would have had a little quicker trigger from three in this game. Cause like he did go two of two from three, didn't really take advantage of his heater by getting up more three point attempts, which maybe could have deflated the bucks a little at some key points. You know, I'm mostly looking at like the third quarter, if they could have, I mean, Randall came out and he was still shooting pretty well. Um, I think he made like his first like nine or 10 shots or something. So he did cool off a little bit in the second half, but still shot a good percentage and everything. And you know, I would have looked to take advantage of that and and shoot more threes, maybe try to deflate the Bucks a little bit, you know, get them feeling like they were up against the the ropes a little bit rather than the Bucks just kind of came out and punched the Knicks in the mouth. The Knicks had no answer for it in the second half. Um, I did think that in the second half, Randall did play a little worse, too. He, he got a little more tunnel vision, -y, I think, in the second half. But also the Bucks like didn't really do him any favors like other teams have been doing. They didn't throw those aggressive double teams at him which other teams have been doing. So that allowed him to kind of cook, but severely limited his ability to make the team better with the kickouts that he's been doing just because they weren't, they weren't sending extra defenders to him to eventually get the ball out to the perimeter. So Randall just kind of took it into his own hands, which, you know, he did that to great effect at some points, but also to a little bit of detriment uh, later in the game. There was one possession that stands out to me where he just kind of got it low in the posts and, then didn't really have too much of a plan. And, you know, Mitchell Robinson came open because he actually did get doubled for a sec because he went deeper in the post and he just didn't look for Mitch, just kind of held on to it for too long. And then eventually went, tried to go to Mitch. And then I think it got stolen because it was just, you know, it was, it was very easily telegraphed at that point. So it is what it is, you know. I, I guess the last thing that I'll say, uh, I like I said, blanket statement, nobody played great on defense, but rebounding was a little disappointing for Randall in this game too. He missed... A number of box outs that led to Milwaukee rebounds, and I can think of at least two or three of those that ended in points for Milwaukee. 
so don't want to see that. I mean, you gotta you gotta throw bodies into guys, especially a a, a team that's a little bigger, uh, especially in the post like Milwaukee. You know, you got Portis and and Brooke Lopez and obviously Giannis there. You know, I think you want to you want to make sure that you're on top of things as far as getting rebounds. And you know, Randall was a little lackadaisical in that respect in this game, so didn't love to see that. Um, Jalen Brunson had a fairly decent game on paper too. Uh, 24.6 assists, shot 10 of 22. You can live with all those numbers. Unfortunately, the one you can't really live with is 0-5 from three and no three-point attempts in the second half. Um, I, they really missed Brunson's three-point shooting in this game. It just kind of proved how key that is for the Knicks this year. But uh, the fact that he didn't even take a three-point attempt in the second half just can't happen. Like, he needs to be getting up like four, five, three-point attempts every single half, pretty much. And, you know, it would have been four in the first half, but then he had a last-second heave uh, to try to uh, tie the game at the half and, you know, miss that. But, I mean, it, even if he goes 0 of 10 from three, like, you can live with it because it's just like you need the other team respecting that that's an option. And he normally isn't tentative like that, but he sort of – wasn't looking for that in the second half, even though in the first half he was bringing the ball down the floor and just confidently stepping into threes and obviously didn't make them. But he's a shooter, man. Like, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this year. Like, and maybe he just doesn't quite realize that yet um, and just needs to kind of trust himself to shoot himself out of a slump and get that huge volume up, that, like, almost Steph Curry-esque volume, just to make sure that that's respected and and something that the other team is looking for and thus opening the floor for the rest of his team a little bit that said like the floater was working but that, that was pretty much it um even his trademark little like pull up midi wasn't falling um i think he hit maybe one of them but missed like three or four so that's not great uh i do think the two-man game between him and julius was was good uh they were he, julius was on the receiving end of most of brunson's assists and um, Brunson would have been on the receiving end of some Julius assists, I think, if the three-point shooting had worked out a little better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was a bad game for Brunson. I just think that he needs to get more comfortable with the idea of shooting more threes, even if he's not shooting well for the entire game. Uh, I also, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that he had a great Pablo Prigioni-esque inbound pass steal and layup right towards the end of the first half that I don't think any camera actually got because they never showed a replay of it. It was just like, uh, the Knicks got, I think it was a three off of an offensive rebound for DiVincenzo, I want to say, which was a huge moment. And then, you know, you're like, okay, now D up against Milwaukee on the other end real quick, get one more possession. And then all of a sudden it was like, camera just whips back and it's like, oh, Brunson. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's in the basket already. Well, we have no footage of that. So is what it is. But great Pavel Prigioni uh, homage by Jalen Brunson there. I want to come back in and talk about R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson. Um, unfortunately, not the most positive part of the show uh, coming up here. So, but you know, it's it's constructive criticism. You know, that's just how it goes. But first, I do have to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Game Time. And I don't know what your guys' experiences are when you're when you're looking for tickets, but I often like to buy last minute tickets. You know, it's a I'll just it'll just be a spur of the moment thing. You know, I work kind of close to the city, so maybe it'll be like, oh, I want to go to a Knicks game tonight. And it'll be like, oh, I want to go look for tickets. And then I go to look and then it's like, oh, so expensive, like right next to the game. You know, obviously 
it's it's a little last minute so you know i i guess you know maybe i should have thought more ahead but i still want my ticket buying experience to be better and on some other ticket buying apps i i don't find that that experience is super easy but that's why i love game time because game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase you can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive and they're all in prices give you your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees and they have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event even a half even an hour after it starts it's the place to find last minute deals so you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. I actually bought some uh, some tickets for Broadway off there as well. And with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, and I'm back in to finish talking about this game, and we're almost to the point of being able to mind wipe here. Um you know, get your uh, get your men in black devices ready to, you know, flash your brain and get rid of this game. But first, we'll talk about R.J. Barrett. 23 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist. Shot 7 of 18 in this game, 1 of 4 from 3. I mean, before you get to the shooting, the stat line looks pretty good. And on any other night, like, I think he might have had more assists, too. Um, he set the guys, he set some guys up for some nice looks. They just didn't fall because the Knicks just couldn't find their shot in this game, especially in the second half. But... He also got to the free throw line eight times, hit all eight of those. I mean, that's a that's a great new staple to RJ Barrett's game. You know, I'm glad to see that part at least coming back because in the last few games when he's been not shooting well, he hasn't been getting those free throw attempts either. So I'm glad to see that that at least came back, allowed him to get up to the you know 23 point uh, mark in this game. And you know that's sort of what RJ needs to do when he's not shooting as well. That said, like I think the shooting really has to improve. Um, I, you know, I can appreciate that RJ is kind of a streaky player and this just kind of is who he is at this point. Um, you know, I think I even came out a couple of days ago and said, hey, you know, you can live with it if you get some other good stuff from him. But like if you hit a certain point where he's in this big of a slump and you have, say, a guy like Quentin Grimes who's sitting there saying, well, I'm kind of slumping, too, but it's for lack of opportunity and lack of confidence, like maybe at a certain point the game plan should start being, okay, well, we got to get the ball out of RJ's hands a little bit more, you know, maybe instead of 18 shots, we have to take 12 in this game, you know, and be cognizant of that and don't necessarily put them on a shot counter, you know, and be like, Hey, you can only take 12 shots, but be like, why don't you shoot for 12 shots? And if you're really hitting, then obviously take more, but otherwise like, you know, let's try to get some other guys involved. Let's try to get the ball into Grimes' hands or quickly hands or someone who's struggling a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that, you know, he's shooting in the 30s pretty much every game. This game was like 37%. So that's actually a high watermark for him recently. But like, if you're going to be shooting in the 30%, you know, that's not something you could do and have someone taking like 18 shots a game because that's just going to, that's going to waste possessions in this game. I mean, they certainly needed every possession. They need to play defense better too. Uh, but they, on offense, even if they had managed to get a few more stops on the Bucks and kept them to like, I don't know, 125 or something in this game, 
the Knicks still were going to lose this game, you know, and and that's because you know you can't have guys out there that are taking so many shots and not making them. Um, that said, I mean, I guess that's a good transition to Emmanuel quickly, who's also dealing with his own struggles. And it's really annoying, like <laughs> that the Knicks just find themselves in these situations all the time where uh the whole team particularly the whole young core just seems to like uh, operate in peaks and valleys with one another all the time and nobody seems to be able to shoot all at once and then everybody seems to be able to shoot all at once it's just it's bizarre but emmanuel quickly ends with seven points three assists one of seven shooting and one of four from three and like i don't know he's not given the front page quotes after this game like quentin grimes did but it really seems like we're dealing with the same old story with quick this year too, where he's just kind of given a short leash and it's affecting his play. Like, I don't know. I, you could just see there's certain times where you can see quickly shooting, uh, shooting confidently. And then you can see him shooting tentatively. And lately it's just been all tentative. Like he takes that extra beat to think about it. Uh, as Clyde might say, he's, he's thinking before he's shooting um, instead of just shooting in rhythm. And that's, just never going to work and so i i don't know what you need to do to get him back to where he's at or where he needs to be i should say maybe it is moving grimes to the bench again like you know having grimes go in there and have a guy that he's more comfortable with quickly also gets a guy that he's more comfortable with too maybe they sort of unlock each other a little bit can kind of play a little two-man game in the in the second unit and see if that can unlock things for them but i don't know i am seeing a little bit of a bad tendency too with quickly where I feel like he's leaning a little too hard into trying to draw fouls on his floater attempts and giving the rest the looks like, you know, like, Oh, why am I not getting this call and whatever? I, I just think it works better for quickly. You know, we saw it in the beginning of the season and, and preseason and everything where like it works better if he just tries to finish strong, you know, and get all the way to the hoop and, you know, find some contact, like find some real contact. Don't try to generate like the cheap contact of like, which has been, you know, I mean, that cheap contact was a, a key for quickly early on in his career with, you know, getting guys on his hip and then just kind of trying to draw the foul on that floater. But now that he's like bigger, stronger, more adept at finishing around the rim at getting to the rim, I don't know why he's not trying to do that more. You know, it seems like he's kind of falling into old habits again. Uh, so I hope that he remedies that sometime soon too. Uh, I guess I'll lastly talk about Mitchell Robinson, a uh, really modest stat line for him. All things considered two points, four boards, three assists, two steals, one block. I mean, a full stat sheet, I guess, but not full of big numbers. Um, I do think Brooke Lopez is just always a really tough matchup for Mitch, and this game was no different. And unfortunately, the Knicks just need to find a, a better way to scheme against these teams that have the shooting bigs because if they hope to get anywhere in the playoffs this year, you're going to run into a team that has one of those bigs at some point. Um, you know, there's the Pacers have Miles Turner, who has traditionally really messed with the Knicks. Uh, Obviously, the the Bucks have Brooke Lopez, um, and then the Celtics have Kristaps Porzingis now. So there's going to be those tough shooting big match. Oh, and Joel Embiid. You know, let's say nothing of him too. You know that it's all tough matchups for Mitch at the top of the conference. So while he might be able to, you know, have some fun against like the Mark Williamses of the world uh, that play similar to him, or even the, like the Jared Allens of the world that play a similar style of ball to him and keep it mostly around the hoop and everything. It's, you know, you need to find some solution for Mitch or otherwise, you know, when you're facing these teams that have those sweet shooting big men that can draw him out to the perimeter and, you know, take him away from where he's most effective, where he can get rebounds, get blocks, you know, protect the rim, all that stuff. Um, also, I thought that 
on top of just Brooke, I thought he had a little tougher time with Giannis than usual. Like usually we see Mitch matched up with Giannis a number of times, uh, you know, in any given game. And I think that it's, you know, normally he just has a little better of a showing against Giannis. I don't know. I thought, I mean, whatever. Giannis is a two-time MVP. He's going to have great games against any defender in the NBA at any given point, but just, you know, it was just kind of underscores. It was a tough, night for mitch overall although i will give him props he he at least didn't get into crazy foul trouble or anything so that's good he only had um i think two fouls for the entire game so i I, maybe in this game it would have been better to get like one more foul and just kind of uh send a send a little message around the rim or something but i don't know at any rate tough game let's get those those memory wipers ready uh and i'll talk to you all soon we got uh, another game coming up by the end of the week um and we'll we'll find some other things to talk about other than this game, hopefully. Although I get the feeling maybe Gavin and I will have a show about what to do with the lineup or build a new rotation or something soon, just because that seems like we're kind of reaching that point, especially at the 20-game mark, where this is where Tibbs usually uh, takes those things into consideration. But at any rate, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.